Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Could more people be facing charges in the Jeffrey Epstein sex trafficking scandal? That question is being asked after Ghislaine Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison for her role in the sex trafficking ring. I'm Anjanette Levy, and welcome to Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. There are a lot of questions about who was involved in the sex trafficking of these teenage girls with Jeffrey Epstein. This was a sex trafficking ring. I think a lot of people forget that. We've seen a lot of uh, famous faces and famous names associated with this, but there are some lesser known individuals who have been named as potential co-conspirators. And joining us to talk about that is Jacob Shamsian. He is a legal correspondent with Insider, and he actually wrote a really great story about this and about one of the people who's been discussed in court as having possible criminal liability in this case. Jacob, welcome to a sidebar. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed your article. Uh, I'm fascinated by it because we know that there were more people involved in this. So tell us a little bit about Sarah Kellen. Right. So Sarah Kellen kind of joins Jeffrey Epstein's uh, personal office, you could put it that way. And in 2002, uh, he had this like his office space on the Upper East Side, where he had people doing who knows what financial stuff, more often really just like scheduling people to go on planes, these young women, um, kind of like making arrangements. He, uh, I think at one point, one victim in the Glenn Maxwell trial testified that she mailed, uh, that, that, that she was the person who's, uh, who had the return name on mailing her underwear to Florida uh, that Jeffrey Epstein seems to have picked out for her from Victoria's Secret. So um, starting in 2002, she worked with Jeffrey Epstein. According to prosecutors and witness testimony, Glenn Maxwell kind of like trained her to take over some of her responsibilities as Jeffrey Epstein's, you know, main assistant, which, or, or kind of number two, which she was at the time. And uh, starting in 2007, when Glenn Maxwell, uh, some, some kind of like left Jeffrey Epstein's orbit, although never cut ties with him, uh, Sarah Cullen seemed to become the number two person, according to as what his testimony indicated in the trial. And, you know, I think a lot of people are wondering, like, what what happened? Why is she not being charged? Her name came up a lot during the trial. Uh, she is one of those four people who was in uh, Epstein's infamous 2007 non-prosecution agreement with Florida prosecutors, mm -hmm. where he got off on a really, like, slap on the wrist for, uh, you know, after an FBI investigation into whether he was sexually abusing young girls. So, 
it's kind of it's it's honestly still a really big question like you know the fbi this new investigation new york prosecutors were looking into this jeffrey epstein glenn maxwell uh sex trafficking conspiracy they already have one you know glenn maxwell is now been sentenced and what's going on with sarah kellen well, and what's interesting about this, Judge Ellison Nathan, who cameras are, of course, are not allowed in the courtroom, but from everything I've read, she's no nonsense. And she actually said that uh, Sarah Kellen was criminally responsible. So you have a sitting judge making that remark during the sentencing of Ghislaine Maxwell. So what is the likelihood that we see more people charged? I, I think I think in, in terms of thinking of who would be charged, you have to remember that Prosecutors are seeing this as a criminal conspiracy, and th- that, those are the charges that were brought against Glenn Maxwell. She's running a criminal conspiracy that involves sex trafficking, and to have a criminal conspiracy, you know, you need more than one person. Now, in this case, obviously Jeffrey Epstein is dead, and Glenn Maxwell is still alive, so there's two people right there. But in terms of, but but in, in in the sentencing hearing, the judge said, "Well, look, Sarah Kellen was also part of this criminal conspiracy and was responsible." Uh, there was people who were not necessarily criminally responsible part of the conspiracy, like like you know the pilots who flew who flew girls. I think knowledge and intent is is kind of part of part of it. And they testified, but I think with someone like mm-hmm. Sarah Kellen, um, she didn't testify. You know, there, there's no like, as far as I know, there's no, like immunity there. Um, as far as I had seen, there was nothing like I didn't see any evidence that could have only come from Sarah Kellen, where it was like definitely her who provided it, at least in my view of the of the evidence. And I you know attended the whole trial. So I, I would like to think that uh, prosecutors are not done. I, I did notice that yesterday they didn't like really make any public remarks. They didn't like come out in front of the cameras and say, you know, we got this big criminal, which is what they normally do, which suggests to me that there is some ongoing investigation. But, you know, I, I there's no indictments yet. That's all I can say. And Jacob, that's interesting that you said that because typically, and I, I think this is important for the listeners and the viewers to know, typically the feds would go out and they would have a press conference in front of the courthouse and they would say, you know, we got this done. It, it happened with R. Kelly's sentencing. The U.S. attorney was out there talking about, we did this and they make a statement. That did not happen. And that to me was a huge red flag. I took notice of that because that makes me think this is ongoing. So they're not going to comment because there's more to come. I, I absolutely agree with that. And I also think one thing that has surprised me, I wrote a story about this in February, but um, the DOJ's internal um, OIG office, uh, Office of Inspector General, excuse me, um, when Jeffrey Epstein died, he announced that he was going to do an investigation into the Bureau of Prisons. How is it that Jeffrey Epstein died in, died in jail? Like, what were the conditions there? And we know from news reports that the that the Manhattan uh, federal jail, jail where, where he was held was not run very well. And in fact, it was shut down a couple of years later because it was run so poorly. But we never saw the results of the investigation. It was never released. And it should have been released months earlier because um, there were charges against the two jail guards who uh, failed to watch Jeffrey Epstein and who... Uh, later cooperated with the OIG investigation and had the charges against them dropped. So it suggested to me that, that you know, once a criminal proceeding was over, we'd see the investigation come out. It hasn't come out. And I kind of wonder if that's because there are still ongoing uh, investigations related to that, related to other Jeffrey Epstein stuff that may be holding up this OIG investigation from being released. So that's so between the them not speaking at the press conference and also them delaying mm-hmm. the release of this other reports, I think those are kind of two clues that they're still working on something. Oh, and sorry, I should say yeah, I... number three, which is the most important, 
is that uh, is that it's the prosecutors who characterized Sarah Kellen as criminally responsible during the sentencing hearing. They were saying she's one of the criminally responsible participants in this conspiracy, uh, and therefore, you know, Philip Maxwell was you know was was at the top of the conspiracy, aside from Jeffrey Epstein, of course, of course. And uh, if they're saying that about Sarah Kellen, then you know I'm sure they have grounds to back it up. Well, and Sarah Kellen is not talking, could not be reached by you for comment. And then I saw you linked to the Daily Mail article where they had pictures of her and she lives in Manhattan. So she's not talking. Jacob Shamsian, thank you so much uh, for coming on Sidebar. We really appreciate it. American basketball star Brittany Griner is in jail in Russia awaiting trial. She's accused of smuggling drugs into the country. And joining me to talk a little bit about this case is Karen Felicia Nance, and she's a criminal defense attorney. Karen, thanks so much for coming on. Tell us a little bit more about Brittany Griner and the preliminary hearing that took place on Monday. Thank you for having me, Antoinette. Well, this happened in February of this year. Brittany uh, is a star basketball player, six feet, nine inches tall, very well revered uh, in her sport and just very well known. Uh, She's married. She has a spouse who's really concerned about her. Well, she's been in custody since March, I'm sorry, since February. And she had her preliminary hearing this morning to see what the outcome of her case was going to be. And there was a decision made. One, she was supposed to be released and this Saturday. That was extended another six months. And the trial was sent for it was set for this Friday, July the 1st. And so uh, there has been some negotiation um, on the part of the uh, U.S. government. Initially, there was a lot of criticism for the Biden, Biden administration for not trying to step in and, and try to help get her released. But now there appears to be some hope that the Biden administration will do whatever they can to help her get released. I think this is terrifying. Whenever I hear about these types of things, Americans being arrested overseas, especially in a country like Russia, it just makes me think that possibly nothing good can come of it, given, I don't know if you recall Otto Warmbier. He was somebody from Ohio who was captured in North Korea and ended up being sent home in a catatonic state. So I, uh, how concerning is this and, and how likely do you think it is that Ms. Greiner will eventually be released? It's very disconcerting, and I totally agree with you, Anjanette. Whenever you deal with uh, allegations of crime um, in another country, uh, regardless if it's people coming to the state, United States, or vice versa, and it's only complicated by the war in Ukraine, right? And so Putin has used this opportunity, and she's been considered a political prisoner uh, more so than than as a person who actually committed an offense because of the amount of um, drugs that were allegedly seized, and that's still up in question. And so that's that's another problem is that now she's in a situation just as as Paul Wellen, another. Um, uh, person from the United States that's currently serving a sentence in Russia. So she's looking at up to 10 years of convicted. And so the hope is that uh, there is some type of negotiation. Uh, it's been proposed in the in the news I've read that uh, there is a political prisoner or, or Russia considers him a political prisoner, and they want to talk about an exchange of uh, possibly Brittany and this other, other gentleman, Mr. Wellen, for this uh, political for this prisoner um, that's Russian. So we'll see what happens, but it's very tenuous. And I agree, it's it's really unclear as to how the United States is going to help negotiate this uh, release of both her and this other gentleman. 
especially with the things that, that are going on right now with the war in Ukraine, obviously, um, you know, with the NATO agreements and stuff, we aren't on the ground with troops, but we are able to, we are assisting Ukraine. We are supportive of Ukraine. So that to me feels like it can only make matters more tense. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see. There's um, a gentleman, I believe is Mr. Uh, Roy Jones. He has actually dual citizenship. He's a uh, boxer. And so in 2005, he became a citizen. He was born in the United States, but he has close ties apparently to Putin. And he's offered to go over and try to negotiate um, on behalf of Brittany. And there's an, a congressman, Alfred, who's also trying to help. So I think that now that there's more spotlight on this particular instant, incident in terms of worldwide focus, I think that we might see some changes or, or possibly her release, which is what we're working toward, right? And so it's really a sad situation. She's caught up in this this political war, basically, with, with Ukraine and the United States' involvement, as you indicated, with Ukraine and with Putin, who doesn't seem to be budging too much um, in any respect. Karen Felicia Nance, uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on this. Thank you so much for coming on to talk with us about it. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care, brother. Thank you. And thank everyone up there. No problem. That's comedian Bill Cosby exactly one year ago as he was being released from prison. Andrew Wyatt, his spokesperson, posted this video to Instagram to mark the one-year anniversary of Cosby's release. Cosby recalls how he was notified that he was going home. So how you feel, Mr. C? Well, it's starting to hit. Mm -hmm. I was in the bed, mm -hmm. in the cot. In the cot. And they opened the, the door, because it's one o'clock. Mm -hmm. And about four or five guys yelling, Bill, get up. You're going home. And they put the shoes, my shower shoes, on the wrong foot. And I said, wait, no, 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 you don't understand, you're afraid. Now, you may recall that the Pennsylvania Supreme Court vacated Bill Cosby's conviction for sex crimes, saying prosecutors abused their discretion by bringing criminal charges against Cosby. The high court cited an agreement that Bill Cosby had to sit for a deposition in a civil case involving allegations that he drugged Andrea Konstat in order to have sex with her. That agreement was with former prosecutor of Montgomery County, Bruce Castor. Cosby admitted to having drugged women in the deposition and settled the case with Constat for more than $3 million. But then a new prosecutor, Kevin Steele, decided to file criminal charges right before the statute of limitations was set to expire. The ruling from the high court didn't question the evidence in the case, but said Cosby's rights were certainly violated when the prosecutor used his own words against him at trial when he was assured that he wouldn't face charges. Cosby granted an exclusive interview to radio host Frankie Darcel to mark the one-year anniversary of his release, and he reflected on his time in prison. Prison really saved my life because um, they found that there was a doctor there who took a sonogram, I think it was, of my artery, the carotid artery, left and right, and found that they were both blocked 90 and 88 percent. So I went to surgery twice while 
uh, incarcerated. And this Dr. Uribe, Uribe is his name, he did a magnificent job of cleaning up the arteries. And um, I thank I thank them for that. By the way, with me also was a chaplain, and I think his last name is pronounced Kamati. He allowed me to speak at least four times at a special event called Men of Valor. And Frankie, what I loved that they came away with what, what I said to them was never again. Whatever it is that puts you in here, never again. Now, since Cosby's release, he has lost a civil lawsuit in Los Angeles involving Judy Huff. She actually claimed that Bill Cosby sexually abused her in the 1970s. A civil jury awarded her damages of $500,000, but Andrew Wyatt has told us that Bill Cosby will appeal that judgment. And that's it for this edition of Law and Crime Sidebar. Sidebar is produced by Michael Dininger and Sam Goldberg. Kiara Bronson is our social media coordinator. Our YouTube manager is Bobby Zoki, and Alyssa Fisher is our booking producer. I'm Anjanette Levy, and thanks so much for listening. As always, I'll see you next time. 